everyone, welcome to a special edition of the SBK betting podcast where we're going to be focusing on Epsom for the Oaks and the Derby, which takes centre stage on Friday and then on Saturday as ever. I'm pleased to be joined by Tom Collins and Ross Miller, our regular pundits, but I've got a big welcome and delighted to say that we're being joined by Sean Quinn, son and assistant to John Quinn. Thank you for joining us, Sean. Great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks very much, Jess. Great to be with you. Um, we uh, we can't begin without asking you about your season, how it's all going, um, uh, also about your obviously your stable star that is Highfield Princess. But you must be really pleased um, with uh, with the way things that were going uh, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, thankfully the the horses have hit the ground running. Um, we a handful of winners on the all weather prior to the turf, and um, since the action has picked up on on turf, the horses have been. Running well, as you say, Highfield Princess has, has really flown the flag. She won a good all-weather race and then, um, of course, took her form to a, a new level when winning the, the Duke of York Stakes. And plenty of um, horses in behind her have been uh, doing nicely. Two-year-olds are up and running and, and the handicappers are running well, so I, I can't complain. I spoke to your jockey, Jason Hart, um, at Redcar on, on Monday, and he was delighted with the way that Highfield Princess was in her work recently. As all systems go for the Platinum Jubilee to take on some of those international raiders? Yeah, that's the hope, Jess. Um, Jason was in this morning and uh, he worked her on the grass and she worked very pleasingly. Um, uh, she just seems to be right at the, the right time. So um, we're sort of keeping fingers crossed and it's um, that time where you're just hoping that, that everything goes right, really. Two and a half weeks uh, until the, the Platinum Jubilee. But, but she seems fine in herself. And uh, as, as is often the case, maybe not so much in recent years, owing to COVID restrictions, but there's a, there's a real international look to that uh, Platinum Jubilee. I'm sure um, the, the, the foreign raiders will turn up and, and it'll be a really good contest. Yeah, I know you had so much success last year as well, and it's made even sweeter that she's owned by your landlord, isn't that right? Yeah, indeed. Um, John Fairley, he, um, he owns uh, one of the yards that we operate out of, and um, he, he has her, he bred her. And he has her younger brother in training, an, un, um, an unraised two-year-old named Highfield Viking. So um, he's one to look forward to, but he's, he's got some way to go to, to be anything like her. Well, you, you don't need to start on, on, the, on the heights because she obviously came from that, that mid-level 50s rating. So you do wonders with your horses. It's, it's fabulous to see. Well, we look forward to checking in with her as we, get, um, as we head into Royal Ascot. But as we said, we are going to focus on Epsom um, this weekend. And I'm pleased that we're coming off the back of a good weekend um, in terms of our selections. Rasel won impressively at Haydock 10 to 1 as well when um, I put him up. So I was really pleased to see that. He looks like a group horse in the making and Ross and TC were both very confident on Steeler Rossa who kept that um, haggis steam train rolling um, at five to two. So um, we're in all right form as we head into a huge weekend of, um, of classic races. So we're going to begin um, on Friday. We'll start with the first of the group ones, the Coronation Cup, um, which has got a good feel to it, albeit it's sort of fallen apart a little bit in the fact that, that we don't have any of the standout three-year-olds from last year turning four-year-olds no ADR no Mojo star but six runners Pearl Driver last year's winner is two to one Monobo who's incredibly upwardly mobile especially at staying distances is nine to four high def definition off the back of his career best second in the Tassels Gold Cup is seven to two Hookham who can put in some exceptional performances but probably better known as Bayid's brother now is five to one Living Legends being supplemented he's ten to one Palavicino um, is also in the lineup um, for Brian Meehan at 100 to 1. So the ground's on the softer side, 
which should be an advantage to Manobo. He's a strong straddling sort. So just a few negatives hanging on him for me. I'm not convinced at what he's beaten. He thrived on a lot further than this. And this small field, I just thought might not suit. I'm going to go to Ross first. Can you convince me otherwise? Well, I, I agree that he's looked good over over further, but he looked pretty good to me looking back at that Sun Clue run, you know, over over this trip, listed level. Okay, this is he's got to step up, but there was nothing about that performance that said he needed to step up further. They've obviously drawn their own conclusion from it. So I just thought he had untapped potential back at this trip. He's as I could see, the one guaranteed in the field to light this ground that's going to almost certainly be softer than than good. Um, I just thought he was he had an interesting profile. He galloped uh, at the track day with two of their Derby hopes and looked very balanced, looked nice, easy way of going. Um, I thought he just looked uncomplicated. And I, I see where you're coming from, that maybe he's going to want further. Um, I was impressed with that run at St. Clue and I, I, I don't think he lacks speed. You know, he did win a, a Newbury maiden over a mile two. Um, so I, I liked him against, uh, against a weak enough field, really, when you take Pile Driver out of it. Pile Driver was very good last year. I think he, he won because Alazi curled up, but it was seven lengths back to Japan in third. So it, it, he didn't get gifted it at all. Uh, he's tough. He's hardy. But uh, I like to take on a favourite and... Uh, Although he's not an awful lot bigger than Power Driver, I'll, I'll go with Minobo. So, do you think that Minobo's grown up a lot in terms of his racing style? Because he was quite exuberant at the back end of last season, and maybe Maidan's brought out the best in him. Yeah, poss possibly. You know, shuttling over there, shuttling back. I mean, I've never done it with racehorses, but I've travelled other horses internationally, and, and certainly young ones we had always seemed to come back more grown up just for the travelling experience, let alone the competing or, in this case, the racing. So, yeah. He looked good, as far as I could see, on this sort of racing TV footage from Epson. He looked nice and relaxed. Okay, they're only going a, a half speed. But if you're going to be keen, you're going to be more keen at half speed than at racing pace in most occasions. Okay, interesting. It obviously is a six-runner field. Tom, um, I was thinking about this from a pace angle. Will there be a bit, a bit of a battle between Minobo and High Definition, who was obviously given an exemplary ride by Ryan Moore, who really got the best out of him last time from the front? Yeah, I think William Buick will actually take a sit on Monobo um, because there is plenty of pace in this race. As you say, only six runners. That's no surprise given only three of the last 10 editions of this race have actually thrown up eight or more runners. So we were expecting a small field, but there is speed. Living Legend will go forward. I think Palavicino is a prominent racer and obviously the, the aforementioned high definition. Those three could be in the first three positions early and then you'd have the market protagonists in fourth, fifth and sixth. Now, last year when Paul Java won this race, I think he won because he got a great ride from Martin Dwyer. He took initiative just as they came down the hill, took up the running and never really looked back. Now, Al-Azi came to win his race. He curled up, as Ross said. But Pile Driver also didn't really handle the track very well. He was hanging to his left until he switched leads with 100 yards to go. When he switched leads, he pulled clear of Al-Azi. And that was a defining point of the race, aside from the, the good move from Martin Dwyer coming down the hill. I think Pile Driver is vulnerable um, because of the fact he doesn't handle the track well. Huckham, I think his main name is the Hardwick. Um, Roy Lascott, this is probably just the, the prep run, albeit he's going to be near enough 100% given the proximity of, of Roy Lascott. And the other three horses don't have much chance on form. So Manobo is my selection. Um, you said we don't have any Mojo Stars in here. He beat Mojo Star last year at Newbury. So I think he's right up to that standard. Yes, he drops back in trip, but I think that's perfectly fine for him. The only negative I have for Manobo is the fact that he's a real big horse. Maybe this track also won't be ideally suitable for him like it isn't for Bar Driver, but I think his class will bring him through. 
Okay, so Ross and TC are both quite confident enough on Monobo. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Paul Driver might not have been necessarily massively suited by Epson, but at least he's won around it, whereas Monobo, we still don't even know how he's going to handle it at all. Sean, you've heard from both of our, our shrewd pundits, we like to call them. Um, they're both for Monobo. Are you with them or are you against them? I'm going to take them on, actually. I'm a Pile Driver fan. He's the only genuine, proven um, Group 1 horse, in my opinion, Jess. He, he, of course, won this race last year. Take on board what the guys say about him maybe not being in love with the track. But that said, I think he's quite a well-balanced horse. He's a horse who's acted and won round Epsom and he's acted and won round Lingfield. Now, they'd be two of the trickier tracks, certainly in the in the UK. So um, I'm not so sure um, that's a, a big worry. He's a horse that is fully effective on soft ground. You go back to his two-year-old days, he won the Ascendant Stakes on, on very soft ground at, um, at Haydock Park. When he won um, as a three-year-old in the, the King Edward, the seventh stakes, uh, the ground was described as good to soft, but it was it was probably softer that day. Um, he, he's a son of Harbour Watch, out of a Le Havre mare. No surprise that he does handle a bit of juice. I'd say he's just very versatile, though, because he, of course, has uh, form on, on quicker ground. But conditions, uh, or likely conditions at Epsom on Friday wouldn't worry me. And I just think he is the... The, the one that they've got to be, he sort of sets the standard and he's run to a level that the others have yet to match. Yeah, and it's important the, the note on the conditions because there was a good bit of rain, wasn't there, at Epsom earlier this week? And uh, it, it looks like, I don't think there's anything due before Friday, but good to soft as it stands. They wouldn't want any more than more than that to make it, make it too uh, testing. Um, but thoughts, Sean, on Frankie? Obviously, uh, Martin Dwyer has been associated with Paul Driver throughout his career. We're, we're sending him his, our best because he's recovering from serious um, uh, surgery after bad injury. Um, but Frankie, by his own admission, probably didn't give Paul Driver the best ride around Maidan, yet he's still got very close. And that form um, behind Shariah, the uh, the Japanese horse in the Shima Kasset, definitely has to be the best around with Alan Kerr uh, and Hookham a long way behind him. What do you think Frankie needs to do here on Friday? Well, I suppose it's a huge benefit that he's had a go on this horse. And as you say, Jess, the fact that it didn't pan out as connections and, and Frankie might have liked um, will mean that they, Frankie has the chance to, to right that wrong. He, he of course, um, dictated matters in this race 12 months ago. There is There looks to be a little bit more pace potentially here. Look, he, he's got he's got one of the best jockeys in the world on his back. So whilst it's unfortunate for Martin Dwyer not to take the ride, and of course he knows this horse inside out, I think Frankie de Tori is um, is a substitute that uh, that we'd all like to have on our side. And um, I think Pile Driver just looked very versatile with regards to how he needs to be ridden. He's, mm. he's obviously led in led in a coronation cup. He's uh, shown the speed to drop back to a mile and a quarter in that listed race at um, at Lingfield and. Um, last time out, he's run a, a very good race at, um, at Maidan in that uh, in that Group One uh, Shima Classic. As you rightly say, looking looking a little bit unlucky not to get even closer. So, I think that they've got a horse that uh, they could, that, that is versatile with regards to tactics, and that could be quite important. Um, Frankie will probably just ride him as he as he finds him. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, Martin Dwyer had no, no choice but to send Paul Driver into the lead um, last year. So, uh, 
Yeah, I'm with you there, Sean, with Boyd Piledriver. I think he's got an excellent chance to repeat last year's success at two to one. Bonobo obviously is a fascinating contender for TC and Ross at, at nine to four. Um, obviously, uh, it, it, it's not just about them. High definition comes into this off the back of a good run, but not that long ago anyway. And uh, Living Legend, who's been in excellent form, gives it a good feel to this race. But that's the Coronation Cup. We've had our selections um, that um, builds us up nicely towards the uh, the Oaks um, at 4.30 on Friday. We've now got the declarations in. Um, we've got 11 runners, um, Emily up. John heads it as we'd expected. The unbeaten daughters see the stars of John Bailey Golden and Frankie Dettori, that man again, um, at even money. Nashua also for the same um, trainer, trainer combination at 92, concert hall seven to one. Tuesday and with the moonlight eight to one, tranquil lady 14 to one, 16 to one. Bigger the rest. All the hype has been around Emily up, John. She's an imposing looking filly from what I can see on the TV. I'm really looking forward to seeing her in the flesh. She was Fairly keen uh, last time out at York in the Musadora, where she was ex extremely impressive in the end. She's been training in a hood. What have you made of her, Sean, and what she's done so far and, and, and what she could be coming into this race? I think she's been pretty faultless, Jess, and um, I find it hard to knock Emily up, John. The, 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 there's plenty of upside to this filly. Uh, I just think she's probably as tight as I'd like to, her to be in, in terms of the betting. Um, but that's that's fully deserved on the on the back of that win last time out in the Musidora, uh, where she she ran away with it. And of course, uh, the, the hype really started with this filly when she she carried that penalty uh, in the Sandown novice and, and, and ran away with that race. And um, the, the thoughts from Frankie Dettori post race ensured that she went uh, onto plenty of people's shortlists uh, for this contest. And um, what she did at York. Uh, Gave, gave us no reason to, to really knock her off um, that, that short list. And, and she's fully deserving of her place at the head of the betting. She steps up in trip by a further furlong and a half here, Jess. But really, that's that's not going to, 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 to worry me too much. Um, she hails from um, a good staying family, um, albeit her siblings um, never quite won it this far, but they will buy uh, quicker stallions uh, than see the stars maybe. So th th that's not a worry in my eyes. Yeah, um, actually, John Gosden was interesting when we do the comparisons. It's cruel to bring up the likes of Enable and bring up the likes of her, the, the best Oaks uh, winners that they've had. But she actually, interestingly, said that she'd be more of a Tegruda type and talked about that speed, the natural speed that she had. Looking at her and seeing how exuberant she's, she, her style is, do you think that's something that we should be concerned about in, in, a, in this Oaks? Um, not greatly, as you say. The fact that, uh, that John Gosden was able to compare her to, to Gruda um, speaks volumes for the filly. Enable was out in a, a different league of her own, but uh, to Gruda was a, a mightily good filly. And um, if, if this filly can, can match her level, then, then she will most likely win on, on Friday. As you say, she, she, would, she maybe took a little bit of a grip at, uh, at York in the Musidora. Um, but I'd, I'd hope that uh, with the 11 runners, they might go a decent gallop here and, and, and that should allay any fears. Yeah, that, that, I think that's a really key point about how this race might develop. Um, Tom, I'll come to you next about, about that, about the over, overall look of this race because Aidan O'Brien has a strangled hold over this as he, as he normally does. He's got some really intriguing fillies in this that have got more racing experience, especially concert hall. Um, she was a busy enough two-year-old. So horses like that, 
when I've always looked at uh, at the Oaks have been the ones that I want to keep on side because they'll know how to race and they'll know how to, I think that you sort of feel like they're, they're the ones that probably will, will might thrive a little bit better with this challenge. What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's an intriguing race. I think Aidan O'Brien um, holds the pace angles in here. Maybe the Algarve, the outside of the field, thoughts of June will probably be up there as well. And Concert Hall, I imagine, will be near the pace. I think it's a, an intriguing field. I completely understand why Emily Opton's favourite. Arguably, she should be odds on, but the official ratings suggest she doesn't actually have as much in hand as the visual suggested in the Musidora, um, which is probably why she's odds against. I think she's the favourite, the horse to beat by far, and by far the most likely winner of this race. But at six to five, I don't really want to play her. I do think there's a slither of value there, um, but I'm back in the short price favourite in the Derby, which we'll come to soon. So I don't want to be back in both both favourites in the classics. Um, so I'm going to take her on, despite the fact I think she'll win. And I'm going to take her on with uh, Tranquil Lady for Trainer Joe's vote, Brian. I think this is the best horse from the Irish contingent. Now, I know Aidan's got a couple of challenges Tuesday and obviously uh, Concert Hall, but I really liked Tranquil Lady last year. She ran three times. Joseph didn't really try her at the top level. It seemed like he already had an eye to the three-year-old campaign with her. Um, he tried her in a listed race on her final start after she broke her maiden. And she ran really well to finish second. She only got beat by a real nice sort, trained by Paddy Toomey, who I think is going to Royal Ascot uh, for one of the group ones on her first start this season, which just suggests the, the regard that she's held in. Um, and then Tranquil Lady this year, she came back, she ran okay in the Southfield first time up. On the face of it, she finished fourth, and you're thinking, well, that's a little bit disappointing given the promise um, she ran with last season. But the third subsequently bolted up in a listed race for Jay Lyons. The winner finished third in the Irish 1000 Guineas. So the form is, is stacking up nicely. Last time out, Tranquil Lady was a different beast. She won really well. Um, I think she's a real nice uh, sort in this race. Double figure price is enticing. And the fact that Tom Mark handed his books is another big positive. Yeah, 14 to 1. That's what I was going to mention. Obviously, Tom Mark won. Uh was on board Joseph O'Brien's St. Ledger winner and uh, he knows how to take up big rides and make the most of it. Do you think that this was a, a, a good, positive jockey booking despite the fact that the likes of Shane Cross, Dylan Brandt, Monagle recently have been on this filly and Noel? Is she uncomplicated enough, essentially? Yeah, she's definitely uncomplicated. Obviously, it's not ideal for the likes of Shane Cross and Dylan Monagle, but you do want to see those jockeys um, continue to have the ride to retain the rides, but Tom Arcand is a brilliant jockey. I raced, recently ran a, a poll on Twitter actually just to see who punters thought were was the best jockey around, and, and Tom Arcand won the poll, um, which just suggests how well he rides on a consistent basis. We know how uh, fickle punters are, especially on Twitter. So the fact he won that just, just shows his talent, and look, Joseph couldn't have found a better man to, to take the ride on Tranquil Lady. Yeah, he's so good at educating these, these horses, I think. I'm sure, and I'd like to get your thoughts about this, actually, because obviously a, a jockey at, at that mo at this moment, Tom Marquand's riding like a man possessed, but he's also riding such fabulous horses for William Haggis and, and his boss. So he's, he's able to sort of get the experience of all different types of horses. So can you see where sort of Team Valley and Joseph O'Brien are coming from when they have a a filly like this and they and they want a, a man for the bigger occasion where do you guys stand on on, on jockeys when it when it comes to things like this yeah absolutely i thought it was very interesting as well a few weeks back on french guineas weekend that tom marquand um was over in france riding for andre Fab, riding a horse owned by the coolmore partners um whether that's a, a link up that we might see more and more as the as the years go on i wouldn't be shocked at all uh, he's a he's a man riding at the top of his game and of course he's still very, very young. So you'd have thought he's got uh, plenty of, of big years ahead of him. And as, as you, you touched on there, Jess, um, big, big races uh, might call for, for big race jockeys. And, and Tom Marquand is becoming 
a go-to jockey. It's um, it's probably a case of, of weighing it up. And um, Joseph O'Brien, with his owners, will have done that because Shane Cross is a, a young rider who I believe will be playing his trade at the top table for a long, long time. He's already enjoyed um, Group One success uh, for Joseph this year. Um, it's unfortunate for him that he that he misses out on on a ride that might have been his. Um, but look, it's it's a case of trying to find the, the right man or, or woman for the job on the day. And uh, nobody could argue with Tom Mark on taking a big race ride. Yeah, I think in a in a week when we're reflecting on the, on the life of Lester Piggott, who uh, picked up these big rides and he just made, and I love the, the quotes from Willie Carson, he made other jockeys need to be better. And I think it just strives the younger jockeys to to be better at their job and and uh, improve as well when they when they see their opportunities go for, for other big race riders. So it is interesting and best of luck to, to the team. Tom Marquand uh, is on board Tranquil Lady and that is Tom Collins' selection at 14 to 1. Ross, um, I'll come to you next because I believe that there's a horse in this race who we just haven't even seen the best of yet and that is Tuesday. She's definitely a filly that um, has got all the attributes to to be to be a, a top notcher. Um, she's just been playing second fiddle in these in the in the group one so far, and 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 she's not gone out without a good fight. And she's definitely these. I feel these runs in the in the in the uh, Irish and English one thousand guineas look to have been a nice stepping stone to this. Yeah, I mean, a sister to an Oaks winner, uh, minding two thousand and sixteen, I think. Um, yeah, she's. Particularly last time at the Curra, she just looked like she didn't have the gear change that these top class Group One mile fillies have. You know, she sort of got left standing a little bit by a very impressive, impressive winner. Um, if this step up in trip, like it has for her for her four sister, brings about some improvement, I, I don't think she's got an awful lot to do to to sort of get there. She's got plenty of experience. She's pretty battle hardened now, which I I like around Epsom um, and. I take on board what the guy said about Emily Upjohn being the most likely winner. She's clearly got stacks of ability, but she was very keen at, at, uh, at York. And I thought she looked keen enough in a, in a gallop at Epson as well. I, and I don't think she looked, I'm not saying she didn't handle the track, but I thought to my eye, it looked like Frankie was having doing an awful lot of work down the hill and around the bend to balance her. And then whether it was because he wasn't fully riding her out, but she certainly had her head to the right up the straight. Um, I'm not saying for a second that's going to stop her winning, but it certainly stops me wanting to go in at a, a short price. Not that I ever need much uh, <laughs> much persuasion to not. Um, so yeah, I thought Tuesday had had plenty of talent. She's been knocking on the door in Group Ones. This Oaks doesn't have a previous Group One winner in it. She's got about you know the the best level of form in a Group One, um, second and third in in two guineas. But yeah, I, I I like her. I'd be even more happy if uh, we. Uh, get off this podcast and find out that uh, Ryan Moore is jocked up next to her. That would uh, increase confidence. But I thought she's a decent price. Um, and uh, you know that, you know, she's the team that have got her know how to win these races. And uh, I, I thought she was interesting. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am refreshing the BHA website uh, every second just to, just to see. Obviously, Thoughts of June is in this race as well um, as Concert Hall and the Algarve for um, Aidan O'Brien. So, uh, it, it will be interesting. I do. We do know that Tuesday is coming out of stall one. What are your thoughts on that? It's not ideal, is it? Um, but 11 runners, it's not... That makes it perhaps a little bit more straightforward. It's not like you've got sort of uh, 18, 19 or so. So it, it's going to take a bit of doing. Um, but if Ryan Moore's on board, 
you've got the man that can do it. I think he, you know, he frustrates me that he sort of does, as Tom was mentioning, Twitter being a fairly fickle place, and he does seem to get his detractors. And the thought that anyone can be perfect all of the time in any sport, well, in any walk of life, is just so far wider than Mark. And in flat racing in particular, these guys are making split-second decisions. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But he's seems to have been right back on his on his game in the last month or so. So yeah, I'd be excited to see him uh, jocked up next to her and do something special from store one. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a big decision there, isn't it, Sean? Because you've got concert hall. She was a busy enough two-year-old compared to some of the others. She looked like she needed every inch of the 10 furlongs at the start of the season. I thought it was really intriguing that they brought her back for the Irish 1000 guineas. Maybe they just feel like she she does well from her from her uh, racing. Um, but it, it always looked like the Oaks would be the ideal race for her. Yeah, and I suppose in many ways, Jess, she falls into a, uh, she has a similar profile to last year's winner, Snowfall, in so much as she had plenty of racing as a two year old, wasn't a top notcher by any means, but was very, very solid and looks like she might have improved uh, this year. I, I'd agree with you. I thought her reappearance run at Navin um, in the Salsaville Stakes was, was really encouraging. She looked like she, a mile and a quarter was just the tip of the iceberg and that when she goes up to a mile and a half, she'd improve. She, she therefore ran very well to finish third behind Homeless Songs in that Irish 1000 guineas. I thought she was very, very strong at the line. She's clearly bred for, to do this job. She's a daughter of Dubawi, out of mm. um, an Oaks winner was. She won this race a decade ago under Shami Heffernan. Um, I see she's, um, she's drawn installed 10 concert hall. Maybe not ideal, maybe a bit wider than um, is ideal. But uh, incidentally, her, her mother was, she came out of stall 10 too. Ah, that's fortuitous, 10 years later. So from your perspective, would you be too fast if Ryan Moore was to choose Tuesday? Or where, where do you stand with that? Um, I think I'd like him on uh, Concert Hall, of course. Um, it's no, never a bad thing having him on your side. But uh, Aidan O'Brien has top class jockeys waiting in the wings and, and jockeys that regularly ride these fillies at home and on the track so I wouldn't view it as a huge negative personally when you look uh, down over the last decade Shamie Heffernan's ridden him an Oaks winner uh, Colm O'Donoghue has ridden him an Oaks winner uh, Frankie de Torre has it and Donica O'Brien as well so th they've shared it round yeah they definitely do so uh, concert hall uh, for Sean to take on Tuesday for uh, myself and Ross, I, I do agree with you, Ross. I think that this is a filly that we just have not seen the best of yet. Right, we're going to head into the big one. Um, this is the Derby uh, on Saturday at 4.30. Again, we've got one mile four furlongs of the trip. We don't have the final declarations yet, so we don't know um, the draw, which is always a big, big aspect of this because we're, we're likely, I'd imagine, we're, most of these uh, um, that have come in at entry stage to stand their ground um, and uh, Desert Crown, the unbeaten Desert Crown is two from two and is 13 to eight to give Sir Michael Stout and our SBK ambassador, Richard Kingscott, a Derby success. Stone Age for Aidan O'Brien is 72. Nation's Pride, who's had the uh, late supplementary for Charlie Appleby and Godolphin is six to one. Changing of the Guard is nine to one. Piz Badil, nine to one. Star of India, Walk of Stars and Westover, 16 to one. And Aiden, who is confirmed to be definitely going here as opposed to the French alternative, is 20s, along with Nahani and Royal Patronage. And we've got 33 to 1 bigger the rest. So this is, I believe, one of the better derbies we've seen in a long while. And the success of Adia last year beyond the derby has probably helped it as there'd be some shock winners 
who have flopped following their successes in recent years too. So I'm, I'm pleased that the Derby's got a really good feel for it. Yes, we don't have a, a already a Group 1 winner in, in this, but there's plenty of those with, with enough potential. Um, TC, Desert Crown is a horse we've kept close attention on since that facile Nottingham victory. Um, as I said, we'll be ridden by Richard K Kingscott. We've been waiting for this for quite a while. Uh, do you think he can do it? Yeah, it sounds like after timing, doesn't it? But we're both on it, both on a tasty price as anti-post. I really hope that Desert Crown does it. Obviously, it's a short price now, around two to one, fifteen to eight, whatever price is going to go off. Um, but I think he's by far the most likely winner, much like Emily Upjohn actually in the Oaks. Um, but I want to be with Desert Crown, whereas I think Emily Upjohn is towards the right price. I think Desert Crown could be a little bit shorter. His win in the Dante was super impressive. I mean, last year that Nottingham maiden success. Yes, it was in the autumn. It was on ground would give. Um, underfoot and, and potentially punters would have been well you know this form might not stack up to anything a good first time out winner but we don't really know what this kind of level is right now he actually ran two seconds quicker than walker stars did in the second division of that maiden mm. walker stars obviously entered in the derby as well the fact that he went two seconds quicker first time out for sir michael stout just showed plenty of potential in the down two couldn't have asked for anything more rich king's goat won with uh, the horse's head in his chest he could have won by far uh, much further I think the step up and trip will be fine. Um, he's not proven to, to handle the step up and trip, but I think it'll be absolutely fine for him. He's already rich, achieved an RPR of 120. What does he need to do to, to win a derby? Probably improve one or two pounds um, to win an average ed edition. Is this an average edition? Probably. Um, I don't think it's like the best edition I've ever seen. If this horse is drawn anything between gate six and gate 12, I, my confidence would just skyrocket. I think that's the ideal position. Um, but I think he's good enough to win from an inside gate or an outside gate, no matter what happens. Does it crown for me, Jess? So he's obviously, um, as I said, two from two. He doesn't have a huge amount of race course experience in the field that he faced um, in, in the Dante. Only eight runners. It's going to be a lot bigger, a lot of different, a very different test. Obviously, Sir Michael Stout can get a horse prepared perfectly for a race like this, but in terms of a pace angle and, and, and how you'd like to see Richard Kings ride Desert Crown to be really confident about it, what, what, what would you like to see happen? What would you like to see unfold in, in front of him? Well, a dream scenario would be Desert Crown, which Kings could sit in a mid-division, one, one off the rail. Um, the pace should be with Royal Patronage. Um, he'll go forward. A couple of Aiden O'Brien's horses will go forward as well. Um, but I, yeah, I just like to see Richard sit in mid div. We know this horse has to turn a foot. We know he's got the high cruising speed. He should stay the trip. The track is a, a, a worry. Well, actually, no, it's not a worry. It's a doubt. We don't know if he's going to handle the track yet. Um, but I think he will. Obviously, York's completely different. The topography there, long straight, um, suits horses that stay the trip well. So he should handle this this distance. Um, look, the rate the Derby rarely pans out how you want it to for your horse. If you look back in recent years. Like if you've been on a couple of these short price favourites, you're thinking, well, I haven't had any luck here whatsoever. The last short price favourite to win this race was actually Golden Horn uh, in 2015. And Golden Horn set the standard for the recent, for Dante's in recent years. He achieved an RPR of 123 in the Dante. Desert Crown's achieved 120. He's the best since Golden Horn in that race. I think he can emulate Golden Horn and go on to win this race at Epsom. Yeah, we, we do really want a good pace to aim at. I think last year there was a big sort of spanner in the works when Aidan O'Brien uh, decided to only run one horse and, and have no pace setters. It sort of really completely changed the makeup, makeup of the race completely. Um, Sean, from what you've seen of Desert Crown, he looks like a very, from my eyes, uncomplicated horse, probably a dream horse to, to train and such because there's, uh, there's sort of no limits to what perhaps he could achieve and, he, and he's sort of taking things into the stride and what we've seen on social media, little clips of him working at Newmarket as well, is that he he's definitely looks to have, have 
thrived off the back of that Dante success. Yeah, absolutely. And as the guys have alluded to, he ran to a, a very, very high level in the Dante. Um, I know it is a concern that um, he's only had a couple of starts. Will that inexperience find him out? We shall find out. But his profile is not dissimilar to that of workforces who um, who, who won this what, 12 or 13 years ago for, for Sir Michael Stout. Workforce had won one race as a two-year-old. He came out and he was actually beaten in the Dante, but there were excuses. I remember the bit slipped through his mouth and he looked an awkward rider. That was just unfortunate. And then on his third start, he ran away with the derby. So he was prepared by the maestro of Sir Michael Stout to, to do that. And um, Desert Crown is in, is in excellent hands to, to try and do the same. So do you believe that he's the most likely winner or are you going to, do you think there's a very big, good rival in here that can, that will take him on? I think he's the most likely winner, but I think he's priced up accordingly. And um, if I were having a bet in the race, I'd rather be backing something at a, a little bit of a price. And the horse that's, that I like is um, the horse um, of, well, one of Charlie Appleby's horses, Walk of Stars, who, of course, as we heard, won one of those divisions of that Nottingham Maiden back in November of last year in the slower time uh, than Desert Crown. Uh, he, he does have to improve to, to win a derby, but I think he's a horse who's crying out for a big field, a decent pace to aim at. And I think we'll see a better horse than what we've seen thus far, Jess. He showed guts and tenacity to beat Hafeet on his um, reappearance in that conditions race at, um, at Newbury back in mid-April. And then at Lingfield last time out, he, he dwelt at the start. Now, that's something he has done. And that just put him on the back foot. And I thought when I was watching a rerun of that race, Ryan Moore was probably always in the position that William Buick would have liked to have been. Ryan Moore sat second on United Nations, using Natural World, the pacemaker. And William Buick was, was behind Ryan and, and just pushed a little bit wider. I thought that um, Walk of Stars certainly had the ability to improve on that form. So I just thought at the prices, I think he's around a 16 to 1 poke. Mm. Walk of Stars is a horse that's certainly capable of a bigger performance than we've seen to date. Yeah, he's got nearly more of an adar profile of the of the others, and that he's he'd be the second, maybe even the third string uh, for Charlie Appleby. It wouldn't bother you then that Charlie Appleby has come out and said very uh, straightly that if he could be, pick one horse to ride, it'd be Nation's Pride. No, that that doesn't worry me hugely, as you say, Jess. His profile is so similar to that of uh, Adar's because um, Adar was beaten in the um, in the Derby trial himself at, uh, at Lingfield last year before um, running in away. With the uh, with the derby, and I suppose if um, if Charlie Appleby were posed with that question twelve months ago, then mm. the very obvious one would have been Hurricane Lane, and I'm sure he'd have said, "I'll I plump for Hurricane Lane," given that he'd um, uh, won the Dante. But he's dealing with incredibly well-bred horses, and um, they're all worthy of their place in this lineup. I think it's really interesting that you've mentioned Hurricane Lane because maybe his inexperience. I know he lost two shoes. I think it was. Uh, but maybe it was his inexperience that just found him out in the uh, in the closing stages of the race last year. Um, that's a, a slight uh, nagging question in my mind with with when I think about Desert Crown. Uh, Ross, what what where do you stand with him? Do you think he's he the, the lack of inexperience will will bother him, or does it bother you? Yeah, it, it does bother me. You have to go back a fair way to find probably was workforce, wasn't it? It was the last one to win off just two two starts and that coupled with the fact that they're probably going to ride him with restraint as they did in the Dante um, and as 
TC alluded to, you, you're then relying on luck in luck in running. So uh, pretty much anything that's not in the van is is relying on luck in running. So I'm not saying that's a reason not back him. It just puts me off at a at a short price. You know, there's plenty of traffic problems because you're guaranteed one or two in this field won't handle the the hill and the bend, and it's just which direction they go when they don't handle it and where they're situated in the field as to what the knock-on effect is. Um, so it's just not a race I fancy going in at a short price. Um, I have no real strong opinion on this on this race other than I just visually watching races back. Nation's pride, not my eye. I thought he was a gorgeous mm-hmm. horse. I loved how he relaxed um, and that's only going to help him. He careered away last time at Newmarket. I mean, Okay, it might not have been the greatest race, but he just went further and further clear. Um, suggests to me this extra two furlongs is gonna gonna suit him down to the ground. He is a fairly big horse that might not be in the positive column when when looking at this race. You know, perhaps like a slightly lighter horse around Epson, but he looked beautifully balanced. He looked very relaxed. Um, I think it's notable that from some way out now, William Buick is is going to be his ride. They have two pretty decent contenders in there anyway the fact they've supplemented him um I, I think is a positive so in a race where very few of the winners would surprise me um i'll go with him at a little bit of a price uh, okay six to one nation's pride um probably will get shorter than that as as we get to it because i think that desert crown at 13 tiers it stands it does he, that is short enough about a horse that we have brought up the the slight uh just concerns not about his ability just about uh, where he is right now and, uh, and 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 whether he's even the full package yet whether that inexperience will find him out whether the epsom test um might just be uh, a, a lot for him at this stage of his career i suppose we haven't spoken enough about stone age we haven't spoken about westover as well ross um horses that have got you're looking at those prices westover 16 to 1 about a horse by Frankel, he can definitely stay. And that's the one aspect I think it's worth touching on is, is the stamina aspect of this race. And it does find horses out. Why, why couldn't a horse like Westover get involved at 16 to 1? Uh, absolutely could. I mean, and again, as, as we said with the Oaks, there is no previous Group 1 winner in here. So we're, we're going sort of on, on what they've shown and what they might show. Um, I think it's anything that Coolmore choose to run here um, you know, with the, they have these lovely stout pedigrees. Of course, they can. Of course, they can step up. Um, and as Sean alluded to, you know, they don't always get it right in the in the team. You know, there's been plenty of second and third strings that have, that have won this for them. Um, Stone Age, I liked. I, th- I I thought he was a a smart looking performer, and again, he looked very professional in what he's done so far. Um, so yeah, I I think it's a, a wide open race, and and for that reason alone, I'd be keen to look to look elsewhere yeah i agree with 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 you guys that it is there's a good feel about it without being an absolute vintage renewal but it's it's good that we've got so many turning up that could be sort of anything that are giving this a bit of a shot um i I do like aiden i think that's this is one horse that we haven't touched upon the fact that he is uh, he's another horse at a nice price uh, for roger varian um he's 20 to 1 he is the most fantastic looking horse i don't know um, if, if any of the guys on the on on the pod have, have seen him in the flesh, but he's got this fa- fascinating pedigree, being by um, Prince Beisel's um, 
private sire in olden times. Um, and what he's done, Sean, I'll get your thoughts about it. What he's done this this year, coming from off the back of plate two place efforts at Newcastle to absolutely thump a, a all right field at Newmarket and then finish a really encouraging fourth in a in a guineas in a similar way that Massar did only a few years ago. Um, you've got to respect a horse like this and especially Prince Faisal and what he's done to sort of produce him. Yes, indeed. He was so impressive, wasn't he, Jess, when when winning that listed race? Um, I think it was at the Craven meeting um, back in, in the middle of April. And he ran a very, very pleasing race, finishing fourth in the in the guineas. And I suppose if Luxembourg, who'd finished third in that race, uh, were OK um, and came forward from that run, he would likely be, if not the favourite, he'd certainly be very short for this mm. contest. So Therefore, uh, Roger Varian's Colt might appear to be um, overpriced. I know Connections debated for a long time as to whether to send him to Epsom or to uh, to send him for uh, to France for the um, for the French equivalent of this race. They've chosen to um, to roll the dice. He certainly looks like a horse that wants further than the mile that he ran over last time out. Um, will will he stay this kind of a trip? I would have thought that he would that he sh that he should um, stay the mile and a half, no problem. Obviously, being by olden times, he's out of a, a Frank or mare. Um, so he's another horse that could potentially be a little bit big. Yeah, well, you've, you've created my case for me already. So that's perfect. 20 to 1 for Aiden. I couldn't agree with you more. I just think he's got a horse with a huge amount of potential and definitely at an each way price. That's, the, that's enough for me. Um, Ross, you've been having a good look at their the work morning that they did at Epsom and uh, you saw that Emily up, John, you weren't entirely sure whether she necessarily was sort of handling the track. Did you see what Aiden did? Yeah, he, he looked good, didn't he? And I, I was slightly surprised. I was expecting him not to handle it because I thought he got in a bit of a muddle in the dip at, uh, at Newmarket for a, for a few strides. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You know, I, I'm sounding a bit sort of wet about this and not sort of coming down on the side of the fence, really. But <laughs> he's one that he's one that absolutely I I, I could see it. Um, and I, I do like when they have other options. You know, they've considered France. Um, they're coming here. I, I, I quite like that. I think it suggests that everyone thinks it's fairly open, open derby. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they've not come here on a whim. They've given it some thought. They're obviously happy with the feedback they got from the Gallops morning and, and have, have rolled the dice. Well, there we go. There I've case in point. I've given you your selection there then, haven't I, Ross? So you can thank me later. Okay. <laughs> 20 to 1 for Aiden. Um, I do I just love this also. Big spot spot for him. I think he's an absolutely fabulous looker. Um, so I hope he does well. But yeah, look, I suppose there isn't um a, a huge there isn't there isn't a horse with a with absolute out and out solid chance based on what they've done. Obviously, Desert Crown has, but he's Still yet to prove himself at group one level um and this is his this is his crowning opportunity um so 13 to 8 for tc uh, and myself um it, he's uh he's a horse that could be anything i do as i said i've liked aiden for a long time so he's 20 to 1. sean and ross are taking each other on again um both this race and in the oaks um there's a, a bit of a battle against uh, uh the stable companions um and it will be uh, walker stars to sean and nation's pride for Ross. Um, so that is the look at the Derby. Um, it's, a, it's a fabulous race. As I said, we still don't have the uh, full declarations in the draw. So that's definitely worth watching over when they come out. 
um, and we hope that we might have found a couple for for you to think about heading into this. But um, obviously, we have plenty of racing throughout the course of the weekend. We've covered the three group ones, but as we always do every weekend, and Sean's um, uh, new to this, but I'm sure has got a few runners even from the Quinn team as well you could tell us about, um, a nap and an ex-best. So Sean, I'll come to you first from anywhere on Saturday. Yeah, looking, looking uh, for a nap, I, I was going to actually go with a horse on Friday. I thought Pile Driver was very obvious um, in, in the Coronation Cup. As, as we touched on earlier in the podcast, in my opinion, this is the only proven Group 1 horse, winner of the race 12 months ago. So um, he'll get the nap vote for me, Jess. Brilliant. The nap for, for Pile Driver, we're both pretty confident on him. And, and your next best selection from the weekend? Yeah, I'm going to go from uh, from the heights of Epsom to uh, to Musselburgh on um, on Sunday, but it's not a bad card because, of course, it's um, it's another of those Sunday series cards uh, where the money is is so good for the the middle bracket um, races that are that are um, that they put on plenty of naught to eighties, naught to ninety contests. Um, we, we've got a horse of our own um, scheduled to run in the six fifteen race, a horse called Brazen Bolt, who did particularly well last year he did nothing but progress and I'd hope that he can do the same this time around he was a winner at Newmarket three weeks ago uh, he won a, a six furlong race a hands and heels race there was plenty that went wrong from that day as well Jess he only really just got away with six furlongs he got up on the line to win and it was a day at Newmarket where there was a huge huge bias towards getting onto that stands rail we'd another filly uh, that finished second on the same card truly acclaimed and she couldn't get the rail she subsequently came out and won at York um, Brazen Bolt's uh, race from Newmarket has worked out quite well. The fourth place horse, as if by chance, won really well at Thursk earlier in the week. I think you were at Thursk uh, for that meeting. So nice that, uh, that the form's got a boost. And this has been the plan with the with the good money on offer. I think it's just over 13 grand to the winner. We decided we'd keep him for this race back up at seven furlongs. Hopefully he can go well. Well, best of luck for you, uh, to you. That's a really good insight there about Brazen Bolt for the Quinn team. So uh, that's at Musselburgh on Sunday, if everything goes wrong, uh, on Saturday at Epsom after our selections. TC, uh, where are you heading for your nap and your next best? Yeah, both on Saturday. Um, the nap's going to be Nietzsche's star in the 521 at Doncaster. I was in the Sky Sports studio two weeks ago when this horse ran at Lingfield. Um, he was heavily backed. Uh, he was tipped by a leading tipster and he was running on a handicap debut off a mark of 90, uh, 63. He absolutely bolted up like he could have won by 10 lengths if uh, he was one more two, uh, more professional and two, Tom Creeley actually wanted to win by 10 lengths, which obviously he didn't. Um, this horse was far ahead of his mark. Last year, he was highly tried in three maidens. Um, he looked really inexperienced. Perhaps he was just a shell of what he is now. Um, but I think after just an eight-pound rise, he'll follow up at Doncaster on Saturday. The next best comes in the dash, which is absolutely crazy. <laughs> and I know everyone listening is thinking, what are you doing? Your, your next best in Love it. the hardest five furlong sprint ever. Um, but it's going to be Stone of Destiny. And purely on the basis of this horse, if he's ever going to win another race, it will be this race because the dash is ideal for him. He finished third in it last year. He had no luck in running. He flew home. He needs big field handicaps over five furlongs where the pace collapses and the dash is perfect for that. Look, he needs a good draw. He needs a, a good trip, um, but he's £10 lower than last year. He's warmed up for this with two nice efforts and he's going to be a decent price. So Stone of Destiny in a dash to 3.45 Epsom on Saturday. Well, it takes a brave man, TC. That's you <laughs> for, for the dash. And I'm sure Ross Miller's got his selection for the dash as well for us. Of course. You know how I love these sprints. No, I've, I've resorted to type, I'm afraid, Jess. Um, 
gone to Worcester for the nap and the next best. Um, the nap is in the 3.30, Nicky Henderson train, Monte Cristo. Uh, he's without a win since December 2020, uh, but that was an impressive win off 133 at Kempton. He's now a pound below that, down from a high of 145 to 132. He'd been in the doldrums, but had wind surgery before a run last time at Aintree and shaped much better, finishing third. This is much easier than that. Um, and I think second start back after a wind up, he'll take all the beating. And then the next best comes on the same card, um, the final race of the day, Under the Seigneur for Fergal O'Brien. Um, I actually tipped her uh, over fence at Haydock and she ran abysmally. She didn't look in love with jumping fences, still travelled into the race quite well and then stopped very quickly. Uh, she has subsequently had another wind up. Uh, again, ran much better last time at Southall, back over hurdles, finished a race off quite well. She's three pound lower, up in trip. Uh, I think this will suit her well and I think she'll go, go, go very close. I can't uh, tell us that we don't like to give you a, bit, a little bit of everything for your Derby weekend. So those are Ross's selection at Worcester. Um, we always rely on, on Ross to give us a little bit of jumping action uh, to keep us interested. Um, okay, so for me, my nap is going to be Soto Sizzler in the 345 on Friday at Epsom, a absolute course specialist. He loves it around Epsom. Um, he won there last time, um, beating a filly of ours called Achilles and doing it really nicely as well um, under Ryan Moore, who gets on especially well with this horse. They booked him up again, which they'll be um, pleased to have had that opportunity. He had the cheap pieces on for the first time last time, which uh, just kept him concentrated that little bit more when he needs to be. Those come back on again. Um, he has gone up in the weight significantly. He's up another six pounds. Uh, but he's, as I said, back at the track that he um, he really thrives on. Um, he's got a man that, um, as I said, Ryan Moore, who, who knows how to ride, get the best out of him. And um, I'm really hoping that he can reproduce that excellent form he showed last time out. My next best will be with Aiden, as uh, as, the, as Sean and Ross hopefully has, have helped me with this one. Um, he's got a he's got a good chance um, at a good each way price, I believe, in the Derby. Um, I think it's a, an, an excellent decision by his connections to roll that dice um, and then give him an opportunity as he continues to build from strength to strength. So uh, that is our look at the Derby, of, of, the, of the Derby, the Oaks, um, and everything in between. Don't forget our, our offer that new SB customers can get 30 pounds of free bets by depositing 10 pounds. T's and C's obviously always do apply. And that all leaves me to say big thanks to you, Sean. Thank you very much for joining us. Best of luck at Musselboro on Sunday. And obviously with Highfield Princess, as you, um, you continue on with your prep before Royal Ascot. And hopefully we'll be able to catch up with you before then to, to hear how she's getting on. Yeah, no problem. Many thanks for having me, Jess. Yeah, and again, a big thanks to TC and to Ross. We'll be back again next week with something very special. We have a Royal Ascot preview for you to savour. It's coming in thick and fast, so don't forget to miss that. Make sure to like, subscribe, tell your friends, enjoy the Derby, enjoy the Oaks, and we'll be back with you very soon.